Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live, and tonight we have as our guest the star of the upcoming movie, The Curse of La, sorry, The Curse of La Patasola, La, I screwed it up, The Curse <laughs> of La Patasola, correct? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's being released in two days. We have the star, Jilly Jones, with us. Jilly, thank you for being our guest. How are you doing? Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. I got to tell you, so the movie is releasing in limited theaters and wide on video on demand in two days. How are you yes. feeling? Are you nervous, excited? What's going through your mind? So I'm really excited. We actually just had our world premiere um, at the Buckhead Theater in Atlanta last night and 200 people attended and we had rave reviews. Like it was the first time we really opened it up to anyone who wasn't just cast and crew to see. And I mean, you always think that what you're putting forward is great because you wouldn't put it forward if you didn't, mm -hmm. but there's still that kind of little bit of doubt until you start having strangers watch it and so it was really great to see that like that first pass people really loved it um and so it makes me feel a lot more excited and better about this coming friday and honestly like this is the first feature that i produced so everything has just been way more than we ever could have dreamed it was i know when vertical who is our distribution company sent us the list there were 14 markets and 20 movie theaters on it. And my jaw dropped. I mean, that's awesome. And, and then we saw all of the streaming uh, platforms that it would be on. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like, like this movie is going to get seen. Like, this isn't just going to get seen by my mom and dad. Like, <laughs> no, this is like, everyone's going to see it. <laughs> yeah, And I watched it last night as well. And I was impressed. The story was very interesting. And this movie, uh, looking at the credits, it's sort of like a family affair. Your husband, AJ, also is your co-star, and he's a writer-director. He's the director of the film. And so walk us through, uh, how did you guys, who came up with the concept, and how did it all come together from the beginning? Yeah, so AJ's parents live outside of Orlando, and every time we drive down to visit them, we pass this little state park called Lake Louisa State Park. And one, uh, the new year before COVID happened, we went on a hike at the state park and got five minutes in and decided we were probably gonna get murdered and needed to turn around because it was terrifying. And at the same time, we said, we need to film something here. And you, you knew it needed to be a horror film. So it kind of started with the location communicating to you that it needed to be a horror film. It was just so, gorgeous and scary. And so when we got home, AJ started researching creatures that would fit in a jungle setting, something mm -hmm. that would fit in that vibe. And a ton of Colombian, South American creatures started coming up. And his very good childhood friend, Daniela Gonzalez, is actually Colombian. So he decided to call her for some guidance. And she immediately texted back photos of this giant, volume that has been passed down through her family like her dad literally lives on the edges of the rainforest wow. in Colombia and it had hundreds of creatures from Colombia mm -hmm. so she and him started developing the story and evaluating for an indie level budget what monster started making sense AJ wrote the script 
And when I read it, I was like, oh, like this is this is good. This is actually a good story as a producer. I'm not the kind of wife that is just like, great job, hun. Everything you do is great. I'm very critical. <laughs> um, so, uh, which is a good thing as a producer. Um, so we knew we had this great story. We had the location and then COVID happened. And we had also been talking about getting married and knew our parents had set aside a, a decent amount of money for a wedding. And we were on... FaceTime talking about how to start fundraising and we both kind of said at the same time hey do you want to maybe like take that money for our wedding and instead of having a wedding we could put it as first money into making this film and get married when we wrap on set that would be cool right yeah. so we had to kind of business pitch it to our parents both sets of our parents immediately got on board when my sister found out she was like well hang on a second like mom and dad told me the business plan um can i invest too and then as we got further in our family just kept kind of adding in their investment because they really believed in the project and all of the rest of our investors were very good kind of business friends of our executive producer and they loved that we had believed in the project so much that we put in um, our own wedding money. The term skin in the game, I learned, is very important in the fundraising world mm -hmm. because when you're asking someone to give you money, if you've put your own money, especially something that's like for your wedding in, it tells them that you really believe in the project and kind of gives that makes them feel a little bit safer to invest in it as well. I got to tell you, I mean, as you were telling that great story, several things came to mind. First of all, kudos to you, because not that many women would give up their dream wedding, even for a film. Uh, your parents, if you put yourself in their shoes, okay, yeah, they saved up money for the their kids' dream wedding, but now they actually get to get a, a return on their investment, where in a wedding, that return might be in the form of grandkids or whatever, but, you know, this is a little different. So that's a great story, and you're right about skin in the game. When it comes to distribution companies and they see that you have your own personal invested interest in this project, it goes a long, long way. So you got everything together, you got the financing, and you guys did a great job for the money that you had. And uh, I like the effects, we're not gonna give anything away here uh, in regards to the creature. Uh, was it AJ and uh, his Colombian friend that came up with the imagery of what that creature was gonna look like? How did that imagery come together? So, um we got really lucky because of COVID. Um, Hex Mortis Design Syndicate, who is a, a specifically a creature design company here in Atlanta, they've worked on The Walking Dead, Black Lightning, Vampire Diaries, the originals. They are the experts in monster making. Nice. They were not working because it was COVID. And so we got a meeting with them. And when we said, hey, we want you to bring the patasola to life and they said the pata what what is this thing like these guys have 
thousands of books on monsters could talk to you about creatures all day and they had never heard of the Pachisola. So they loved that they were able to help us bring something to life. Mm -hmm. So you kind of took all of the elements that Daniela provided to us of the folklore and then the hex guys would make some drawings, send it over to AJ, Danielle and myself. We'd all take a look. We would really you know, make sure that we consulted with Daniela on the look and how she ended up being because we wanted to make sure it was an authentic story. This is the first time the Patasola is being shown yeah. on film. So, and there's a lot of different variations of her. So I think that she and AJ did a great job of collaborating with Hex Mortis in showing, as you'll see when you watch the film, several different versions of her because there are a lot of every city, every village in Colombia has sort of their own version of her. Mm -hmm. um, and I love the way that Daniela helped us display those in the film. Yes, it is top notch, guys. I can definitely vouch for that. Let's talk about the characters of James and Naomi, uh, played by Patrick Walker and Naja Bradley. They were great. I loved Naja's character and the way she pulled Naomi off. Uh, first of all, uh, did you know them beforehand or were they cast? So my husband and I owned a small business here in Atlanta called Nova House. It shut down during COVID and it was for audition taping. Okay. So we had a ton of members who were actors in Atlanta and Naja was one of them. And as AJ was writing the script, she kept coming to mind. So I think we watched two different um, sets of auditions, Naja and another actress. And there was no question in my mind when you watch Naja, I think the danger that you can fall into with that character is just being too, I'm just tough and that's all I am. And Naja brought so much dynamic to the character that 30 seconds into that tape, I was like, absolutely, she is just this woman, and she is a strong woman, but she is a strong, likable woman, yeah. and that's important for me as a female producer to make sure, yeah. you know, you can have strong female characters, um, but she didn't fall into that that trap. And then uh, Patrick Walker is one of AJ's really good friends. Um, they uh, did an improv uh, class called The Booking Room. A uh, Patrick ran the booking room and AJ went to that and got to know Patrick through there. So we already knew Patrick and AJ called him up and said, Hey, do you want to come, you know, shoot a movie in a swamp with us? Patrick read the script. And I would say I was so uh, thankful and very intimidated to work with him on set, but he is, he is one of the classiest human beings I've ever met. And one of the most hardworking actors that I've ever met. They were great. Now let's talk about your character, Sarah. Okay. Uh, the way I would describe Sarah would be uh, one of those super nice people who is so nice to the point that they sort of make themselves into uh, a doormat, okay, for people to take advantage of. Uh, is that what you did? Is that how you envisioned Sarah when you were getting ready to portray her? So um, one of the things that... AJ uh, says that he loves about me the most is how much I care about other people. But I do sometimes care about other people to a fault. And I also am a little bit of a type A control freak and feel that it's always possible for me to fix something. 
So as a leader on set, if someone else fails at their job, I feel like it's my fault no matter what, even if it might not be my fault. So for Sarah, I needed, in order to bring myself to her, I really leaned into, I love my husband so much that I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that his business succeeds, but to the detriment of my own happiness and success. And so that that's the place that I started from with her. I think, um, I agree. When I first read it, I was like, I, she's, she's a little bit of a doormat, but then, you know, as an actress, you can't judge your character. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was a challenge of Sarah is figuring out how do I, move forward from the judgment that you might want to put on her and find that piece of me and lean into it. And so I really came to her from a place of, like I said, just loving Daniel so much that I would do anything for him. That's why you see her as she continues to get further into the film. No, we have to find Daniel. I'm not going anywhere. I got to take care of my husband. Um, and, And it goes from there. Halfway through the film, we sort of see your character, Sarah, transition to not being such a doormat. Uh, Mm -hmm. In your opinion, was that important to the storyline for Sarah to take a stand, even against her husband? Yeah, um, I think, like I said, I, to a fault, put other people before myself sometimes. I've been on this journey in the past year personally on trying to take the word selfish and make it not a negative term. Mm -hmm. So I think that was what Naomi was kind of helping push Sarah to do in the film a little bit. Um, And I, I love that dynamic between Naomi and Sarah that Naomi is pushing her to say, look like, yeah, you love him, but, but what about yourself? Like, because putting yourself first. And I believe this wholeheartedly to have a successful relationship. You have to put yourself first. I think you see Sarah kind of starting and beginning to navigate what that might look like. And unfortunately, I don't think she has the chance to complete that journey, but we do have a concept for La Patasola 2 where you get to see her journey continue. (laughs) Oh, that's fascinating. So before we continue, I think this is the perfect time to show the audience the trailer to La Patasola that's coming out this Friday. So let's check it out. Here we go. Here it is. Where y'all, y'all headed? headed? Bear Lake. Bear Lake. Well, we're, we're warning, warning people, people not, not to venture, venture out, out that far. We've had, We've had a, a busy, busy season, season for incident, incident reports. reports. Missing, missing hikers, hikers, strange, strange sightings. sightings. You name, you name it. So, so Naomi's, Naomi's a little, little different, different from, from your usual, usual type, type huh? huh? Oh, I don't oh, think, I don't you're, think gonna you're gonna steal this one from the high school. So before, so before my, my grandma, grandma moved to the States, States she, grew she grew up in Colombia. Colombia. From childhood, From childhood they, were they were told stories about the monsters, monsters in the Amazon. Amazon. Now no one, one always stuck, stuck out, out to me. To me. She's, She's called, called La Pepesola. Legend, Legend has, has it, it 
that she, that she was a beautiful, beautiful woman, woman who cheated, who cheated on, her on her husband. Now, now centuries, centuries later, later she haunts dense, dense forests forest just, just like, like this one. one. Looking, Looking for men, men who are not faithful, faithful to their wives. wives. The women, the women she, be she be witches. Sarah! Sarah! What happened? What happened? Your tent. Your tent. Something's, Something's inside, inside your tent. Like an animal? Like a, animal? Like a, person. Like a person. I think it I was, think a, it was woman. a woman. She's, she's here. What did what you see last night? I don't care what you guys think. There, there was something, something out here. Chase, 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 Super, super scary and creepy. Uh, AJ, now, was this the first time you guys really got to work together? No, not at all. Um, When I met him, I was actually his boss. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I hired him to work for the Murder Mystery Dinner Company um, and the Murder Mystery Theater Company. Um, I was a national manager for them and I was also running the Atlanta troupe at the time. So I hired him and um, within two months, we came up with this idea for Nova House, the small business. And about the same time, the romance kind of started coming into play. And I remember we were having this conversation about, you know, people should not work with the people that you date, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and he looked at me and said, yeah, but I want to be with a woman that I can take over the world with. And I was like, okay, cool. Cause I want a life partner. And so we started the business back in June of 2017. We ran um, the small business together, which I, let me tell you, running, co-owning a business together is like a marriage in and of itself. And so we uh, ran the business for three years and then COVID happened. And so we were simultaneously shutting down our business (laughs) because of COVID while we were uh, in pre-production and making this movie. (laughs) Uh, So when you guys were on the set of this movie, uh, obviously, you guys are working, you're making a movie. Did the dynamics of being uh, involved, about to get married, married, uh, interfere? Did it help? Uh, how did it all work out? Yeah, I would say that as an actress, you want to be able to trust your director. As a producer, you need to be able to trust your director. And so, because we had that bond, he was my fiance at that point, there is no one that you trust more in the world. Mm-hmm. And that trust very much comes into play. I'm I'm excited and curious to see how it would be working with a director who's not my, my now husband, mm-hmm. um, because how could you ever have someone that you trust that much? So I would say it definitely just made for a more uh, clean, work dynamic because there were moments where I would be having doubts and he looked me in the face and was just like, do you trust me? And I said, yes. 
And he was like, cool, then let me do my thing. Mm -hmm. And then there were other moments where as the producer, I said, I understand that this is what you think, but I am telling you, I need you to trust me when it comes to scheduling and budgeting. And this is what needs to be done. And he said, okay, great. I trust you. So having, having that trust there is vital. And it really, I think just helps the project. How did AJ handle not only directing this film, but having a major role in it as well? So first of all, my husband is amazing. <laughs> um, he he is one of the most talented men that I've ever met, which is why he's my husband, because I have high standards. But um, <laughs> so he's been acting for 10 years, writing for 10 years. And while we were running Nova House, he was actually in the taping room directing actors 24-7 because we were open over 90 hours a week uh, just directing actors. So he... He was very natural in the role that he played. He wrote a character that he plays very well. I will tell you, he's nothing like his character. I was going to ask that. Was he like Daniel? (laughs) (laughs) No, he's not. And what's funny is when I put him on tape for auditions, the roles that he does the best, I'm like, I would never be attracted to that type of human. And it's weird how well you play them because it's not at all like you in real life. Um, And then as a director... He is a natural born leader and he is a very patient person. He does not get overwhelmed easily. And he was able to just take question after question after question because every department's coming to him, actors are coming to him. And he just had a very clear vision of what he wanted on the film and never lost patience with everyone. So he was able to steer that ship through 18 days of shooting in a pandemic um, and and come out with something just unbelievable at the end. Exactly. Um, he, he is an amazing leader of people. And, and I think as a director, the most important thing that you need to be is a leader mm-hmm. with a clear vision. And he had that. Did you guys, uh, when it came to, uh, I don't know if you answered this or not, but when it came time to uh, cast the characters of James and Naomi. Did you guys do it together? Or I know you you chimed in and said when you saw uh, Naomi's character, you're like, yes, after 30 seconds, she has to be it. Was it the same for James's character with uh, Patrick Walker? Um. So AJ, I had done a table read with Patrick for another script that AJ wrote. So I already knew who Patrick was um, and, and got to see how talented he was. So AJ told me that he wanted Patrick in the project. And I, again, that trust thing coming into play, I was like, cool, got it. Like you, you wrote it, like you envision this character, you're the director, I trust you. Um, and then I, the reason I was watching tapes for Naomi was because she was that one main character that he wasn't 100 percent positive about which is why he brought me in to give my opinion um but both of us immediately were like oh yes like nausea bradley yes <laughs> now when it came to the writing uh, i assume when aj was penning this script he had obviously you and him in mind so he wrote the characters around you two is that accurate yes okay that that helps because I mean, having your fiancé write your character for you because he knows you so well must have been, I mean, he knows you. I mean, it's the perfect uh, combination of a writer knowing their actor. And you hear this a lot with people 
who are in long-running television series, after a while, the writers start to write based around the actor who's portraying the character. And, yeah. and that becomes very important in the evolution of that character on that television show. Uh, I also wanted to ask you about the credits. Uh, you are in the credits as introducing Jilly mm-hmm. Jones. Now, you have done stuff prior to this. So what was the reasoning and explanation behind that? So what I've done previously is just short films and web series. Um, I I actually did my first network credit for uh, uh, Fox. I hope it's Fox. I'm pretty sure it's Fox. How embarrassing. I'm ashamed right now. It's okay. And my first network credit right after, a month after we wrapped. Um, but this is my first feature that I had ever been in Mm -hmm. um so while i have previous credits they're all short films and web series it was nothing that was truly a professional film so that's why it's introducing jilly jones okay okay that's part that makes perfect sense now looking at your credits you have a lot of you have like about three or four other projects that are either in post-production or somewhere in that in the line of shooting Yes. Are they all with AJ? Are they not? Some with AJ, some without him? Yeah. So um, so we do co-own our production company is Renegade Creative. Um, and so we have um, Buried Blood is the next feature that he and I want to make together. I'm also in development on a film that I can't name right now with the, co-write, the other co-writer of La Patasola, Sean Mathis. Um, I'm very excited. It's another thriller, so I'm excited when I can share more. Um, but then I also have a sketch comedy group that I write with called Curiosity. So we shot three of our sketches in October this year. Uh, I just finished doing the rough edits, and they're getting their color and sound done right now. But um, I actually have a background in comedy. My writing partners are Hamid Reza, Benjamin Thompson, and Alexi de Castillo. And that is so much fun. On Sundays, we get together and put our weirdness into a little bowl. Um, It's really funny because I think my comedy is very dark somehow. Mm -hmm. So our first couple of sketches kind of end up in that comedy horror realm. (laughs) Um, So those have nothing to do with AJ and are very much an outlet for my uh, comedy writing actress sketch love. Um, But our production company, I mean, because AJ is a director as a production company, we need to be working on more than just one film at a time. So we kind of split up, um, a little bit, but we, I know what two features that I'm producing next. And like I said, one is buried blood with AJ and then the other one is with Sean Mathis. I'm super excited about it. Now it sounds like both you and AJ appreciate horror out of the two of you, who would you say is the bigger horror fan? I think that I'm the bigger horror fan. I do think AJ is the bigger movie fan in general, though, if okay. that makes sense. Okay. Um, AJ loves cinema. He's a huge Steven Spielberg fan. Huge. So he loves Jurassic Park, Jaws. Um, and then I am like, 
Crimson Peak is my jam. I watched it multiple times this October. The Ring was the first horror movie I ever saw. I was forced into watching it on a middle school uh, field trip bus ride while it was thunderstorming outside. Terrifying. The school played? Did your school actually play it? No, I didn't think so. Yeah, yeah. Our school played it on a field trip. Okay. On the bus. It's what the kids voted on. (laughs) That's an odd choice. Public school. What are you going to do? But it's fine. (laughs) Um, But like, I was terrified, but it was such a good story. So that's what I was saying. Like, I love horror. That is a really good story. The Skeleton Key is another one favorite of mine. But I wasn't like Texas Chainsaw Massacre while I watched it and I was terrified and I enjoyed being scared. To me, that wasn't as much of a film that stuck with me because it was more about the blood and gore exactly. versus an actual good story that was being told. And Patasola is that kind of film. It's a psychological horror flick. I mean, you know, yeah. don't go in there expecting Michael Myers type blood and guts. That's not what you're going to get. And those yeah. movies that, you know, that you like, the psychological horror films, are the exact movies that I love watching as well. Something that has a story character driven those are the ones that i love like movies like the shining if you go way back and so on uh jilly this has been a fascinating 30 minutes this is you have been so fun to talk to you guys again the movie is called the curse of la pata sola it's coming out this friday in uh theaters limited theater release wide on video on demand I'm assuming it's going to be on all the major like Amazon Prime, Voodoo. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you have Apple TV or a Fire Stick, Amazon, it'll be on all of those. Yeah. So you guys can rent and buy it at your retailer digital platform of choice. Jilly, thank you so much. Are there any final thoughts you want to share before we go? Um, I hope that everyone walks away from the film curious about creatures and other uh communities around the world because like i had a blast learning about colombian folklore la patasola and i hope you do too <laughs> i have interviewed a lot of people and you'd be surprised like the die hard horror fans they all love monster movies creature movies i do as well it's uh going back to the black and white the frankensteins the swamp thing uh, you know the creature from black yeah. lagoon and now yeah. you bring us this folklore to life in the La Patasola, which is freaky as hell. So I want to <laughs> thank you so much for being our guest. I want to thank our audience for tuning in tonight, whether you're watching this live or later on. Uh, again, thank you to Jilly Jones, who's the star of the movie. Until next time, guys, on behalf of Jilly and myself, stay safe and stay walking. Good night, everybody.